This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 156, with guest Andrea Renee. Are you looking to draw a bigger box for yourself? I'm a huge fan of Seth Godin's, and I want to tell you about his Alt-MBA workshop. It's an intensive leadership and management workshop designed for changemakers who have a fire in the belly. This is for people who are itching to level up and make a bigger impact. Four times a year, the workshop brings together over 100 leaders, people from different industries and areas of expertise. The end result, you're surrounded by other leaders who are moving to the top of their respective fields and helping to support each other to become stronger cross-functional change agents. Every week, you're meeting new people from the group. You're getting and giving feedback and seeing your blind spots in a whole new way. It's not about passively learning. It's about actively putting those concepts into practice until they become habit. The idea is to drink from the fire hose and rewire your brain to make new, better habits and have the platform to practice them. Over a 1,000 alumni have been through the Alt-MBA, and they are a mix of leaders, including product managers, lawyers, marketing directors, engineers, filmmakers, and more. The group is half freelance freelancers, half folks at companies and startups like Tesla, Kickstarter, Charity Water, Nike, Kiva, Warby Parker, and more. If you're a leader and want to become even better, this is for you. There are no lectures, no videos. It's rolling up your sleeves and working in groups with people who are equally in it to win it. They're now accepting applications for their upcoming session. To find out more, visit altmba.com forward slash your kickass life and please tell them I sent you. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no-BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have you listen in on the conversation that I had today with Andrea. And I just wanted to let you know that if you are interested in working with me privately, I have two spots open for clients to start in July or August. There are basically two types of packages that I do one-on-one with women. My most popular of that is the Daring Way. Based on the research of Dr. Brene Brown, it's a five-month deep dive, which takes you from a place of fear into a place of courage and confidence. The type of work that I do is great for women who usually are doing really great in their career. Work is good, but their personal relationships are just kind of meh. They have some troubles with vulnerability and intimacy and trust, whether it's trusting other people or trusting themselves. So if you're in that place where your usual coping skills like numbing out, like isolating, perfectionism, control, where those aren't working for you anymore and you're ready for big transformations, I invite you to go to yourkickasslife.com forward slash coaching check out that page, see if it resonates and fill out an application. Those applications go directly to me. And also you can find those links over at the show notes. So before we get into the episode, let me tell you a little bit about Andrea. 
Andrea Renee is a coach, writer, and facilitator who seeks to offer and uplift practical tools, resources, and wisdom in support of each of us recognizing, owning, and sharing our power so that we can amplify the impact we have in our communities. She is deeply committed to doing her part in cultivating a world that works for everyone and does so by exploring the intersections of our individual and collective healing, growth, and liberation through her work. Andrea believes that together we rise and she hopes to create spaces which allow for that to happen. So without further ado, here is Andrea. Hi, Andrea. Thanks for being here. Hey, I'm so excited. I have been admiring your work from afar for a long time. And I know we run kind of in the same circles in this industry. And I did mention in the introduction that this is kind of a conversation for, you know, like coaches, healers, do-getters of the world, but absolutely not exclusive for those people. I think anyone who is a human will (laughs) get nuggets out of this conversation and what you have to say. So I'm very excited to get started. And where I would love to start is in June of 2016, you wrote a blog post titled Why the Self-Help Industry Isn't Changing the World. And I invite all of you to go back to the show notes there is a link to it. It's an awesome, amazing piece of writing. And that post was shared widely and struck a nerve with many. So I know that this is a loaded question, the kind of questions I like to ask. Can you kind of break down that post for us? Maybe like what was the main message? What was the thing that you said maybe that struck a nerve with the most? Anything at all? I think one of the main things was that for me, I had so much like anger, mm-hmm. <laughs> so much upset that coaches and healers and people that were saying like, I want to change the world. I want to make a difference. This work that we're doing, the healing work that we're doing is is super important. It's changing lives. They weren't speaking up when there was a ton of like political turmoil going on. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think my primary <laughs> purpose was just to like call that out and say, your work doesn't, it's completely tied up in all of these political issues, like your work to support human potential and to help people see their power and help people heal so that they can find more love. And, you know, it's all tied to oppression. It's tied to injustice. It's, and we can't take those two things apart. And so by not talking about it, by not addressing it, especially with your community, the people that you're influencing, you're working against yourself because silence just keeps it going. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that, and you know, this was something that personally, and I'm always really transparent about, you know, where I am and, and what I think about things. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, you know, I wasn't that person for a long time who was like, yes, let's change the world. But, and there's like other things going on, but let's just change the world over here where we are. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that was really common of what was going on, you know, and what I'm speaking about is like probably like 2015 and and before where it wasn't as noisy. And I I think Mm. that kind of, we saw this upsurging of issues that were, I think that social media made it in our face. Like we could not Mm. escape from this anymore. We could not escape and and turn our heads from these really important issues that were happening. And so I personally was one of those people that was kind of in this bubble of all of you people that look just like me out there. Let's talk about and focus on the things that are in our lives that affect us. But what I love about what you were saying was that, and for anyone too, that listens to the podcast regularly, I believe it was episode 140, where I 
talked about the title of the post was the party as we know it is over and where I quoted Andrea and and really talking about the bottom line of it that we cannot not talk about this anymore. And more specifically, people in the self-help world. And I think people that are interested in personal development. And if you're not a coach or a healer, you know, quote unquote, wellness person, I think it's up to us. Like we chose personal development. We chose to believe in changing the world. Therefore, we also need to look at this other major issue that's going on as well. Mm, Yeah. And that was a huge part of it is... Like, it doesn't stop at the individual. The work of changing the world, like you changing yourself, well, for sure, it will shift some things in your community and and everything. But what really needs to change is ourselves and the systems that we are always interacting with and affecting and getting influenced by. And we can't, we, we can't separate ourselves from that. Mm-hmm. I was just having a conversation earlier this week with somebody who was interviewing me for her podcast, and we were talking about the law of attraction. And she said, what bugs you about the law of attraction? Because she knows that I used to teach it in the beginning of my career. It was something that I was highly, highly interested in. I felt, you know, I watched the movie The Secret and implemented some of the tools and actually did see my life change for the better. And For anyone that is totally unfamiliar with the law of attraction, it basically talks about your energetic vibration and that whatever you want in your life, you can attract by focusing on it, by wanting it bad enough, by really putting all of your attention on it and not focusing on negativity, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And that also that you are totally in charge of your destiny and your happiness and fulfillment, et cetera. So I was on board. I was like, all right. (laughs) And again, I did see some positive impact from putting those tools into use. So now in 2017, what I have come to realize is that the lessons of the law of attraction are laden with privilege. Yes. Like, oh my God. Like, yeah, yes. that's great for you if you are not systematically oppressed. Mm-hmm. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Totally. <laughs> You're like, period. So, yeah. I have a friend, um, Alexis Morgan, who is totally able to like really dig deep into like all of the intricacies of the law of attraction and how messed up it is. But <laughs> that there's power in it. But I think one thing for me, one big message in it is like you create your own reality. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but <laughs> there's yeah, a little bit more and- like we are co-creating our realities. And if there are some things in our world <laughs> that are unjust, that are oppressive, that are like deep seated, rooted issues in like the very foundation of how we are, how we experience life in this moment then I'm going to have some limits. Mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to be able to just manifest what I want to manifest on a whim, even if I work the hardest, even if I do all the work to make it happen. Like sometimes it doesn't work because there are other forces at play. Absolutely. And, and I, I think about and I asked this question early on to my own mentors about you know, what about people who are children of abuse? And like, what about all the Syrian refugees? You know, did they not have a high enough vibration? Did they? And then there's the argument like, well, maybe something happened in a former life and, and things like that. And what that reminded me of is 
oh gosh, I'm probably gonna get the hate mail for saying this. <laughs> when I was younger and I grew up in, uh, we were Lutheran and which from my understanding is like Catholic light because both of my parents grew up Catholic. And I asked my mom, this was back in the eighties when Suzanne Struthers or was that her? The woman who was, it was, you're probably too young for this, Andrea, but it was, I am. It was all these commercials <laughs> that were about helping starving children in Ethiopia. And they uh. were heart wrenching. And I remember asking my mom, what kind of God allows, because I thought I grew up, you know, with Jesus loves me. So what kind of God and Jesus allows that to happen? Why is there so much pain and suffering is what I was asking her. And she explained to me that because Adam and Eve sinned, that basically we are being punished for it. And there are these atrocities in the world because we as humans are sinners. And I took that to mean, I took that home and was just like, oh my God, I'm a terrible person. You know, like I am the cause of that child starving in Ethiopia. So I mean, Mm. that's for another conversation, but that's kind of what it reminded me of. It's like, well, life is hard. So some people just have to suffer. And, and I'm just like, what? Like, (laughs) it just kind of blows my mind that it could be someone's fault. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's what came out that reminds me of when the huge earthquake in Haiti happened. Mm-hmm. I think on the, what's it called? The 400 Club or something. There was a show <laughs> that talked about how like they deserved it. How they, <gasps> like, because they practiced voodoo or, you know, whatever, quote unquote, like dark magic, mm-hmm. dark spirituality that they called that in for themselves. And... And that sounds absurd, like whoever's listening, like you might be like, that's crazy, but it's it's not. It is crazy, one, Mm -hmm. but it's said all the time in various ways, you know, like Mike Brown getting killed in the middle of the stream being left there for four hours or so for the entire neighborhood to see, oh, he deserved it. He was being a criminal. He was like whatever like it's everywhere it's pervasive like wanting to not take social or personal responsibility for how you might have played a little tiny role or a big role mm-hmm. in someone's suffering yes and it kind of kind of switching gears a little bit i think one of the things that i loved from your post that really hit home for me and also made me think about how I can, quote unquote, change the world. And we'll get into that a little bit is that you say the problem. So let me let me start kind of from and this is what I quoted in in that episode in 140, where you say to the coaches, healers, guides, leaders and overall do gooders of the world who don't want to bring, quote unquote, politics into your work. Consider this. Your work could bring massive, sustainable change to many lives, families and communities. But it won't if you don't critically look at the social context that you're working within. The problems you help solve for your clients are most often symptoms of a much deeper and widespread systemic problem that we must get to the root of. You say you want to change the world, but what is it in the world that you want to change? You've got to name it to tame it. And so I sat with that for a long time and thought, like, what does that actually look like for my audience? What does that actually look like for my world? And What's also interesting is I had another podcast guest a couple of weeks ago, Joe Casey, where we were having the conversation of, and she actually helps 
coaches, you know, life coaches with their yeah. businesses. And she shifted gears and now still helps coaches. But what she helps them with is visibility. So anyone listening who knows like, and, and even if you have a, a nine to five corporate job, like as a woman, you have to put yourself out there. Like you have to be mm-hmm. vulnerable to get promoted, to do a really great job because a lot of times, well, all of the time, any kind of innovation or creativity in your job or otherwise takes vulnerability. And so what Joe Casey is doing is talking about what she calls feminine conditioning and how we as women have grown up in a culture that, I mean, we could talk about this all day, <laughs> that is yeah. systematic, systematically keeping us down. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, where my focus, because if I because I was telling you before we started recording, you guys, like I got so fired up about this a couple of months ago. I was like ready to burn the whole house down. I was like, your kick-ass life is totally changing and this is where we're going. And there's so many social issues social, mm-hmm. like, that we need to help or that we can help, I should say. But I think for me and what I can help my audience the most with is that whole concept of women and this feminine conditioning that we are brought up in. And Mm. that's why I I love that you posed that question. Like you've got to name it to tame it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been thinking about a lot how, how powerful it is to dig into your identity. And we focus a lot on women, but we don't focus a lot on how we are conditioned and like really like unveiling, unpacking. Mm-hmm. yeah, unpacking and the ways in which how we are has been impacted by dehumanizing messages about women, dehumanizing messages about our race or, well, no, I guess because dehumanizing by dehumanizing, I mean, either making one inferior or making one superior. And in both of those positions, you're not able to just be a human being Mm -hmm. (laughs) and privilege and oppression and marginalization, like being able to unpack a lot of that by looking at your identity and so much power, so much power and it, so much healing and agency found in that exploration. I think what was helpful for me, and I'm trying to think of, you know, the people who are listening to this and, and like, where can they start? Because I think about when I first started on this journey and started like waking up to it, it's little things like, let's just talk about like movies and TV, like media for a second. And I just finished Shonda Rhimes book, the year of yes. And mm-hmm. I love her shows. And I, I think I never really noticed, and maybe it's a good thing that I didn't notice it, but that she has so much diversity in her casting. And mm. that's actually how the world is. You know, if you mm-hmm. look at most mainstream TV shows and movies, it's a mostly white cast. And the people that are people of color, they are sidekicks or they're, you know, they're very stereotypes galore. And I think when I started watching her shows, it just never occurred to me that like she was creating yeah. these these strong real characters like yeah. just as there actually are in the world <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, it's things like that like think about you know for anyone listening like think about your world and and what you consume on a daily basis like that's conditioning that that is happening every single day in our lives and i'm so happy to see you know people like shonda changing it mm-hmm. and being successful at it and just normalizing what should be normal. 
Yeah, I love Shonda Rhimes. I love all of her shows. <laughs> Everyone should read that book. Actually, I listened. Someone told me like make sure you listen to it on audiobook because it's better. Mm. I guess we'll link to it in the show notes. Yes. Yeah. And I was actually, I was just watching The Catch and I noticed that. I've noticed that before, but I was watching it and I was like, wow, there's a black woman that's the head of a PR firm. There's a black woman that's like, she's one of the top agents in the FBI. There's, and like, it's, and then there's like a ton of other diversity and it's really cool to see how she's using her platform to make shifts and like what we see on a daily weekly basis absolutely and i think that can be the beginning of someone's journey and mm-hmm. i was telling i had kelly deals on and i was telling her <laughs> yes she's she's great too and i was telling her about we were talking about race and i was telling her my experience and i think it's worth repeating because on one hand it's horrifying for me to tell the story but i do think it's important because i think that my story is a common one and that i grew up in a house in the suburbs where we did not talk about race and it was a predominantly white neighborhood. And so how I was exposed to it was TV. And Mm. since I grew up in the late seventies and eighties, the shows that had people of color were what's happening were, are you familiar with that show at all? Which show? The show what's happening. Oh no. (laughs) From the seventies. What was the name of the other one? There was another one, too. And also the Jeffersons. Those were kind of the first ones. And then I also watched Dukes of Hazard mm. and Archie Bunker. What was the, what was the name of that show where he was totally a racist? And that's what was normal to me. Mm. And I told Kelly this because this is the God's honest truth and it's embarrassing, but it's the truth. So I grew up. So the message to me was that for those particular shows that I just mentioned were that black people, they lived in totally different neighborhoods than I did, like the inner Mm -hmm. city, which I had never even visited. And they had it harder than we did. And also when the Cosby show came out, I, you know, I had only watched like family ties and growing pains and like all these, like all white casts. So when the Cosby show came out, it was interesting to me, but I was like, to me, that was like, now that's really make believe like that, like a doctor for a dad. And, and the, like, it was so like, I'm like, I honest to goodness, Andrea did not think that that could be. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm so embarrassed to say that, but I, I just think it's important because I think there's a lot of people that grew up, not everyone, but I think there's a lot of people that just did not have the exposure, did not mm-hmm. have the conversation going on. And that creates, that creates racism, that creates mm-hmm. ignorance, that creates, you know, I can have all the college in the world, but yeah. I, I can still have these ideas that are subconscious or conscious that are adding to white supremacy and mm-hmm. really oppression of a huge amount of people, people that are important. And so I'll stop talking because I'll just go on and on and just <laughs> humiliate myself. <laughs> but no, it's so, so important though, because like, there are people that will have like a very similar like experience to you and listening might either like not want to look at that or be like oh my god like that was me but every single person that ever watched tv that ever walked this earth that ever went to i don't know the doctor's office or like living in this world we all have a piece of that it's all in us, at least a little part of that, because that's how we grew up. That's how we were conditioned. It's a part of our culture. It's a part of how we relate to each other. And so just naming that, like, like I said, like the naming it to tame it, like you have to name it and own it. And it's, it's not about like guilt. It's not about 
shame. It just is because you didn't really have any control over that when you were a child. And, but now you do. And it's like, it's the same thing with when we're just talking about like a personal, like limiting belief, or I've heard you call it like gremlins or Mm -hmm. (laughs) things like that. Like you didn't have any control about like when you first like took on some of those limiting beliefs, but now you do. Right. Not because now you know. <laughs> so, Somebody had to tell me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a similar process of realizing, educating yourself, and trying to do something different. And that's what I'm trying to do, albeit awkwardly, but yeah. I think it's a conversation that needs to be had more. And and speaking of, you know, maybe someone who is sort of newer to this topic. So what would you say to someone who has never really been active or paid attention or just because they just don't know, not because they're pushing it away around politics and social justice issues, but wants to do something? A, my question is kind of a two-part question. Where would you suggest that they start? And then, because I know sometimes that the answer might be, well, you need to read something about it and then say something about it. But what about the people who, because I've run into this, I don't know, I guess it might be a little bit of an excuse, but I think it's a it's a valid fear mm-hmm. that people have is that they have family and friends who aren't ready for that conversation or full mm-hmm. on like disagree with them. Where do those people go? Hmm. My first thought with that specific question is look for people that are also in the same questions, like in the same space. And I think there are a lot, especially now in in the U.S., there are so many people that are in a similar space of like, holy shit, the world is so fucked. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) what do I do? uh, Yeah. Like, what do I do now? How do I help? And feeling like in fear and frozen and helpless. And so like putting a call out to like connect with people that are constantly in that question as well. I also too, now that you've been saying that, I thought of something as well is that the internet is like the best tool for this. I live in the rural South and I came from a big city in Southern California. So when I came here and it was tricky, you know, navigating this. And I am someone who is outspoken. And I suddenly found myself like, oh, I am the minority in my beliefs here. Mm. So what I have done is I think, you know, womensmarch.com has been a great resource. And mm. and I went to a meeting that they had kind of like hosted. And then I, we, I went to this woman's house and it was like everybody that walked in the door, like we were all strangers. Everyone that walked in the door was like, oh my God, you're here. You know, like, we were joking that there's like nine Democrats in our town and they were all in this woman's living room. But, and then they pointed me to different Facebook groups where it's like the larger community where there are hundreds and thousands of people who are there who can help people. Um, you know, now I know where people come to have meetings for our senators, our state senators. And, you know, we rally together to mm. ask him questions. And sometimes it's well received, sometimes it's not. And so all that to say is that use the internet, look for yeah. Facebook groups that you can be a part of. Even if you know one person who has the same beliefs or is into the same, who's passionate about the same social justice issue, because this doesn't necessarily just have to be about race. I mean, mm-hmm. it can be like about sex trafficking or the environment. Like there's so many different issues that are kind of on fire right now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And finding that community is so, so nourishing. And this is the kind of work that cannot be done alone. No. You will burn out. You will go back to hiding under a rock and not wanting to look at anything because it's too hard to hold by yourself. And you're not supposed to because <laughs> um, it's a collective issue. It's an issue that was created by more than one human being. Right. And so... Yeah, like seek that out, seek out community. And then there's also like, don't necessarily try to change the people around you that aren't ready for it. Because mm-hmm. that is energy. I mean, unless you want to spend that energy <laughs> on that, but it, it takes a lot of energy to do to try to pull people out of whatever state they're in, especially if they're not open to it, they're not willing to do that go to the people that are wanting to have those conversations, wanting or even just open to learning, open to being in dialogue. That is where your power really can show up, can be used. Absolutely. I totally agree. I think that there's been so much, if we could bottle the energy that was given out over the last year or so of people arguing on the internet mm-hmm. <laughs> who are on opposite sides of the spectrum, oh my gosh, we could probably, you know, electrify the earth. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I think that, and I've made that mistake before where someone will argue with me and I'm like, do I want to back down? No, there's a saying actually in recovery that says you can't save your ass and your face at the same time. And I think that kind of applies here. Like you Mm. you can't do both. Like Mm -hmm. you have to choose. And I, yes, speak to the people who are on your side and or the people who are just kind of have never picked a side, who just don't have never been in that place that is on the top of their to do list. Those are the people, too. Yeah. And I wanted to say a little bit earlier that I think a good place to start is to just like sit with the idea that like your existence is inherently political and that's really hard for people. We'll <laughs> really say more hard. about that. Politics. I talked about this in a, a talk that I gave a couple weeks ago. The root word of politics is polis, which means community. And so if you think about politics in this world right now, it's really about like how we relate to each other in community, how what systems are in place to support community. (laughs) And if you are a human, you are in community, whether you want to be or not, (laughs) whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. And so our society, especially in the U.S., we're taught that politics is outside of us, that politics is government. And it's not like politics is because I am black, because I am woman, because I am a young person. And because I'm human, Mm I am a political being (laughs) because the ways in which we relate to each other affect me. And so it's difficult to own that. But I think, I think it was Angela Davis that said the personal is political. I totally agree with that. I think too, that, and this is what I said at the end of my post of episode 140. And I said, you know, if you are a healer and you're, you know, life coach, and you're going to send out a message to your people, or even if, if you're not, and you're going to talk to your family and friends about this, you don't even need to bring up the names of political people in government because this isn't about 
them. This mm-hmm. is about us. This is about people. And like you were saying, this is about community. And because I think that scares people, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, my family and friends all voted for Trump. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't have to be about him at all. It's really about the things that are happening around us. And I think that that's what I'm hoping that the conversation is going to be. And yeah, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's totally not. I hardly ever talk about Republicans and liberals and I don't even talk about Trump. I <laughs> it's because it's not I mean, it's totally important. It's totally making such a huge impact on so many communities. And uh, like me talking about that is not going to help mm-hmm. <laughs> anybody like at me talking about it because I do not I'm not interested in the intricacies i'm interested in like the policy changes and everything but i don't really want to like talk about it i don't want to educate people on it like there are so many resources to educate people on the government and how it works and how it's fucked up and mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's it's all out there what i really want to talk about is our culture yeah. and the relationships that we have with each other and with various social groups that's what i'm interested in talking about and that's really is also politics. Mm-hmm. But, it absolutely is. Yeah. I have a very important question for you. And I, cause I was on your website and this jumped out at me and I would like to know how has Beyonce influenced you? Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's a huge question. I could talk about her for days. <laughs> now we're getting started. <laughs> no, I, I love Beyonce and I, I love her from a like a critical lens you know because there's like critiques about the beehive (laughs) and that like we we just follow her every like move and whim and never really like look at her critically like I do look at her critically but I grew up with her I grew up with best news child Uh I mean I actually until I was about 11 or 12 years old I was only allowed to listen to Christian music and when I was coming out of that and and my my parents were starting to like loosen the reins a little bit on me I (laughs) Destiny's Child and other groups were some of the first people that I was listening to and I've just loved I've seen Beyonce live three times in the last five years (laughs) already tickets Yeah. She has influenced my life in ways that I I probably don't even know because I think I resonate with her in a lot of ways in terms of I am a recovering perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Welcome. (laughs) I do appreciate excellence. I, I love the way that Beyonce like seeks excellence in everything that she does. But especially now... I love I love the direction that Beyonce is going in terms of expressing herself so so much more and saying things, speaking things, singing things that are confronting a lot of people and affirming so many people as well and that she's like just living life for her. She's just shining. <laughs> and it's really inspiring for me to see someone like that. Mm-hmm. That sounds how I have always felt about Madonna. And mm. I, I mean, I don't know if it's if it's the same, but I always, you know, because she was, you know, as Destiny's Child was to you when you were, you know, growing up, 
in the 90s. I was growing up in a different decade and Mm -hmm. Madonna was that person. And and like, I think about role models for my daughter and that's who women like Beyonce and women like Madonna, I want my daughter to look up to them because not for the way they dress or anything like that. Like I, not not that Mm -hmm. at all, but you know, age appropriate that matters and things like that. But just the whole reason that these women, yes, they're in entertainment, but more specifically, they have used their creativity to create something so much bigger than themselves and touch Mm -hmm. something in so many people, as Mm -hmm. well as they have not only pushed the envelope, but said very important things by not actually saying them. Like, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just putting themselves out there as females And I think the messaging that I heard, and I know that both Madonna and Beyonce are human beings who hurt just like everybody else and get their feelings hurt probably when they hear bad reviews. But the messaging that I got from that is I don't give a shit whether people like me or not. Mm -hmm. And if you're on board, great. This is what I have to say. And I have a platform to say it. And these are important things that I'm going to say. Do they do it perfectly every time? No, they don't. But I think that they have elicited an element of humanness as well as badassery that I can only hope to, to do. And same with my daughter. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Like with Beyonce, I, I hope to create such a level of, I guess, like truth and excellence in terms of like being super, super clear about what you want and mm-hmm. not accepting anything else. That's something that I'm currently working on just like in my personal life and just <laughs> as a whole being clear about this is what I want and I'm not going to to waver on that is really exciting to see from her constantly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, let's end on the note of Beyonce. <laughs> you know what? I always thought it was the Bay Hive. Is it the Beehive? You know, I say it both ways. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. (laughs) Well, these are the big questions we ask over here on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. I have, I love this conversation. I'm so grateful for you and your work and this conversation that we just had. And again, everybody, the show notes are, uh, you know where they are, you know where to find them. You can find a link to Andrea's website and that post that I want everyone to read, as well as the other things that we mentioned in this podcast. And until next time, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Hey, ass kickers, you know what would help me out so much if you left a rating and review for this podcast. Your Kick-Ass Life podcast will always be free to you and to help me get more awesome guests and to spread the word, it helps tremendously if you leave a rating and a review. Now, they don't particularly make this super easy to do, so I'll help you out a little. If you're in iTunes and you're on your phone, when you are in the podcast app, you need to search for Your Kick-Ass Life 
Life podcast. I know, even if you're subscribed, this is how you do it. So when you search for it and you see it come up, click on the cover art, then towards the top where it says reviews, click that, scroll down a tiny little bit, and then click write a review. Stitcher is a bit easier if you're on Android. The easiest way I found to do this is to type into Google stitcher.com, your kick-ass life, and voila, my podcast should pop up as the first link. Scroll down and click write a review. That's it. Thank you so very much. You have no idea how much it helps me when you do that. All right. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.